Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Good morning. God willing. Thank you all for being here and uh, ready to hear the word of the Lord today. Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be good and fed and be so blessed as we are here in America. For while we have our country is still the way it is, it's going downhill rapidly, unfortunately. But we. Uh, it's good to be here now today and to be thankful for this beautiful day and this beautiful week that we just had in the Lord. We can't get the week back. The week that we just had is gone. We have to do what we've got to do with, with the next week, but the last week is gone. We can never get back. So um, as we start looking at Matthew chapter 8 today, we're going to pray real quick. But as we look at Matthew chapter 8 today, really kind of focus on the first part, which kind of has to do with, you know, what are we going to do? So bow, me, or bow with me and... Join with me in a word of prayer for our service and for everybody that will ever listen. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you pour out upon all mankind every day. Life is such a gift. Lord, I pray we would not waste it. I pray what we would do with our time here today. And, and the rest of our lives is, Lord, you want us to do with our time. That we wouldn't live for us, that we'd live for you. Please bless this message. Please bless the hearer. <clears throat> that they would become a doer. Not just a hearer only. Bless the message from my mouth. And help me deliver it properly. According to how you want me to. And I pray, Lord, as I pray... Often, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would really speak to us, Lord, and teach us today. Yes. Exactly what you want us to know, Lord, I pray you, your Holy Spirit would speak to us today and teach us today. And may you be magnified and glorified in this place, in this message, on the internet, on gospelsavingchurch.com, and then in this church as a whole. May we continue to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you guys want to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, we're going to study verses 1 through 4 today. Matthew chapter 8. I have a New King James Version Bible, and my title, my heading here is Jesus Cleanses a Leper. So Jesus Cleanses a Leper. The name of our sermon today is The Touch. So the name of the message today is The Touch. So let's read our scripture and we'll get into it. 8 verse 1. When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I never would have ever thought that I could have gotten as much as I did out of these four verses today that we're going to study, ever. 
But the Lord just opened up the floodgates and there's so much, there's so much information in these just these four verses. There's so much detail that we 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 should not we we aren't gonna miss. So we're not gonna miss it. We're not gonna miss, I don't think, any of it. So if we're ready, I'm ready. Hope you're ready. So finally, we're out of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. We we studied Sermon on the Mount for who knows how long, two months, I don't even know, but we're we're finally out. We're moving forward out of the Sermon on the Mount. And one thing that God showed me right off the bat was the very first thing I see is they were on the Sermon on the Mount. They were basically at church for a whole whatever, how long that was, 30 to 45 minutes to an hour, however long Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. They were basically at church. They were having like a big church service. They were up there. They were sitting just like you guys are sitting here. Whoever's sitting here on the listening on the internet or podcast via podcast, you're sitting there and you're listening to service. You're kind of at church. So they were at church. Jesus was in my position. He was the teacher. He's still the teacher now, except for I'm just reading his words. If I didn't have his words, we wouldn't be having this service. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about him because we're talking about what he did. So they were having church. So now church is over here. Verse 8 or chapter 8, verse 1, church is over. They're done with church. And um, church is over. So what do we see from Jesus when church was over? What's the very first thing he did? He went to work for God. Verse eight, or Chapter 8, verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him. So the very first thing we see is Jesus is presented with an opportunity to serve God. That's the very first thing that we see which happens. And what does he do? He goes to work for God. We as Christians, or if you consider yourself a Christian, should not only be hearing the teachings of Jesus, just what he just taught, you should be doing the teachings that Jesus just taught. What did he teach? You know, we looked at it over the past few weeks. He taught us to love one another. He taught us to do good, uh, lay up our treasures in heaven, uh, pray, seek God's face, you know, store up our riches in heaven, be a light for God, be the salt and the light for the earth. So this is actually what Jesus was coming down and doing. He was presented with an opportunity to serve God, and so he took it. He took the opportunity to serve God. <clears throat> That's the very first thing we see. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, that means that you follow him. That means you do the things that he does. So in essence, what he really wants from those of those that follow him, those of us that follow him, is he, he wants to look at the things that he did and model them. So do the things that I said to do. Do the things that you saw me do. In essence, that's what a Christian is. Do the things that I did. Too many people today, we call them pew warmers or Sunday Christians or Sunday Easter Christmas Christians. And all they do is they go to church Sundays and Easter and Christmas 
And that's their extent of their Christianity. They don't go out of the church and do the things that Jesus did or even look for the things that Jesus did to do. Even look for the work of God, which is in essence what God wants us to do. He wants us to look at the things that opportunities, look for opportunities that are going to come our way. And if you really look in life, opportunities will come your way to serve God. Just like Jesus here coming down the mountain, opportunity confronted him. He took the opportunity and he, you know, he, he laid his hands upon it and he did it. How many times in your life do you have an opportunity, somebody's sick at work? Or somebody's having a bad time at work. Or somebody that you know, a friend of yours, is struggling with a situation. You know, an opportunity of God there maybe to say, hey man, you know, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. What are you struggling with? Let's pray together. You know, I know you're struggling. That's an opportunity that God put in your lap. And I know I've missed them. And I'm glad that God's bringing that out even now. So many, Too many times at work, I'm so busy doing whatever I'm supposed, you know, I think I'm supposed to be doing. And an opportunity of God will come. And I'll miss it because I'm too busy. So we have to be aware to be just like Christ. He, he could have just bypassed this guy. He just could have walked around him and just kept walking. But he didn't. He stopped. And he did the work of the Lord. We're going to be faced with opportunities all the time. We have to take those opportunities. We can't stay on the mountain. And we can't stay in church forever. We got to get done with church. It would be wonderful just to have church all day long every day, but that's not kind of that's not how it works. We we got we go to church, we get fed, we leave church, we go look for opportunities to serve God. That's just kind of how Jesus and the people that were with him didn't stay on the mountain forever. We can't stay on the mountain, can't stay in church forever either. We got to get up, we got to go down the mountain, and we got to look for things that God told us to do. What else do we see? When he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Jesus' fame spread really quickly. Jesus was such a popular guy. He did lots of miracles. And then another reason that we see his popularity spread, you know, really easy was verses 28 and 29 from chapter 7, where it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these teachings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Remember we had mentioned last week, we referenced last week, that he was such a young man. Jesus was only in his early 30s. And yet he taught as religious people that had been in the religion teaching for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And he was just the son of a carpenter. Okay? And in just in his early 30s. So his fame, don't you think the people that were up there on the Sermon on the Mount heard his teachings and went, you know, and they said that, man, he doesn't teach as, uh, as our scribes and as our, he teaches as one who has a real authority. Hey, don't you think, just like the woman at the well in Samaria where Jesus knelt down and the woman was drawing water and he told her lots of supernatural things. He was gave her wisdom and what did she say well sir i perceive that you're a prophet she could tell right away this wasn't a normal guy this this guy's special he has wisdom he knows he's he, he speaks from god so of course the people that were sitting up there on the mount they were walking down with him great when he came down great multitudes followed them all those that were sitting on the mountaintop with him they were coming down going man you got to hear this guy teach 
This guy's amazing. He doesn't teach like other people. This guy's amazing. He teaches. This is supernatural. There's no way this guy is just a man. He's only in his 30s, you know. So his fame spread crazily. And it must have been hard for him because you see in so many times in Scripture, he was constantly surrounded by multitudes of peoples. Now you think, and we talked about this some months ago, we weren't talking about five or six or ten or twenty. We're talking about a multitude means at least a thousand or thousands of people surrounded him. At all times, he was walking around and that's what he had to deal with. He had to deal with thousands of people that were around him all the time. So one other thing I just saw just now is, you know, it's easy to say, oh, we're, we're so busy. We got all these people listening to me. We got all these people, you know, following me. We got all these people thronging me. And then when one little old leper comes up, one guy, it'd be easy to say, hey, you know, I, I, I ain't got time for that, man. I ain't got time for that. I, I'm too busy. See all these people? I'm, I'm busy. I, I got to move on. I've, I've got teaching to do whatever. But did he? Let's look. So the opportunity that approached Jesus in this day was a little old leper who came and worshipped at him, bowed down, worshipped him, and asked him for a favor. What about lepers? What about this leper? I didn't really see this at first. and It was something that it kind of I added in kind of toward the end of working on the sermon. But God showed me another facet to this leper. What about lepers? Number one. Lepers were not supposed to be in cities or in villages around a lot of people. They were shunned. They were put out of the city. They were put out of the village. They weren't supposed to be with the people that were in the masses. They were supposed to be segregated and on their own. In Leviticus 13.45, God says concerning lepers, he says, Now the leper on whom is the sore, his clothing shall be torn and his head bare, so shaved head, and he shall cover his mustache. Whenever he gets around people, God's saying here, and cry, unclean, unclean, and he shall be unclean. All the days that he has the leprous sore, or sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. <clears throat> Excuse me. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So because leprous was a spreading disease and it made the person that had the leprous unclean, God said they can't stay in the city. They have to be outside the camp. They have to be outside the city all alone. And if they get around people, they have to cover their lip and yell, unclean, unclean. And it was even said, I've even heard teachings where they were supposed to be on the right side, where the people, if they were people on the left side, they had to be on the right side. People on the right side, they had to be on the left side. And yell, unclean, unclean. They had to let people know, plus the tearing of their clothes. Let people know, okay, they walked around with torn clothes and they covered the lip. Anytime they got near somebody, they were supposed to be segregated. They were supposed to be on their own. Josephus, who was a great historian, who both was a priest and lived during the time of the temple, confirms this practice of the Jews. And this was Josephus lived in the 70s, 80s. He lived after Jesus had already died. So this is going to show you that the Jews even still practiced this practice, this, you know, this, this segregation of, of lepers or of leprosy, people with leprosy, 
even in the time of Josephus. And it's, he, he writes in his description of the Mosaic Laws where he states that it was forbidden for the leper to come into the city at all to live with any others as if in effect as if they were dead. So they were like dead men in that they couldn't be around people. So that's one. That's the one big one. Number two, leprosy at the time of Jesus, medically speaking, was incurable. There was no cure for leprosy. If God didn't heal somebody back in the Old Testament, there was no cure for leprosy. Only until the late 1800s, when a doctor discovered the bacteria abbreviated, abbreviated as M. leprae, did a, cure, did a cure even start to be coming to be made? So in this time when this leper approached Jesus, there was no cure for his leprosy. So basically, in a sense, if you got leprosy back in Jesus' day, that was your death sentence. There was no hope. You were dead. It was going to eventually kill you. Because that's what it did. We're going to get to the effects. The effects of the disease. Leprosy primarily affected the skin and the nerves outside the brain and spinal cord. It, it also would strike the eyes and the thin tissue lining of the inside of the nose, which caused nosebleeds. The main symptom of leprosy was disfiguring sin, skin sores lumps or bumps that do not go away after several weeks or months. The skin sores are pale colored. Nerve damage can lead to loss of feeling in the arms and legs. Permanent. No. Muscle weakness. Leprosy is characterized according to the number of type of skin sores that you would have. Without treatment, and again, there was no treatment in Jesus' day, which, so this is this fellow that we're studying here today. Without treatment, leprosy can permanently damage your skin, your nerves, your arms, your legs, your feet, and your eyes. The complications of it, because this guy would have had the complications. I got this off of WebMD, and now there's a cure. So they're speaking of it as if it was a cure. You know, you can be, if it's caught early enough, there's a cure now. There's, they coupled together lots of antibiotics, and you can have a cure now. But then, I'm speaking of it from Jesus' day, because that's where this guy was at. The, this guy was at. The complications of this guy's leprosy would have included blindness or glaucoma, disfiguration of the face, including permanent swelling, bumps, and lumps, erectile dysfunction and infertility in men, kidney failure, Muscle weakness that leads to claw-like hands or an inability to flex the feet. Permanent damage to the inside of the nose, which again can cause nosebleeds, and a chronic stuffy nose. Permanent damage to the nerves outside the brain and spinal cord, including those in your arms, legs, and feet. Nerve damage can lead to dangerous loss of feeling. A person with leprosy... Uh, Related nerve damage may not feel pain when the hands, legs, or feet are cut, burned, or otherwise injured. So in essence, what we read about leprosy is, is exactly what I've always heard. It ba basically makes your arm, your leg, your, well, your body parts go numb. So that way when you're doing something, 
and you get cut, you don't even see it. But it's bleeding. So a, a bloody, you know, a, your hand that you cut that gets bloody, you're going to get it infected if you don't even know it's there. And stuff's going to get in it and you're not even going to know. And you can't even feel it. Claw-like hands. Think of your hands being all clawed up. Like somebody that has, uh, somebody that has, you know, that, that one thing we got nowadays. Uh, what's that, what's that called? We're, uh, arthritis. And thank you, Lord. We got arthritis. You claw like hands. So what could you even do? How could you even, how could you even take care of yourself? Think of going to the bathroom. You can't even feel yourself. This guy was in a bad spot. This leper, since we do not know how long he had this leprosy, we can conclude that this guy was a leper probably for years. Okay? And he had been one for a long time since there was no cure. Which means that, think of this, he was disfigured. He was maimed. He was horribly ugly with bumps all over his face and swelling. All over, his bo all over his body, all over himself. Really something that you'd really see out of a horror movie. God showed me that toward the end of the study that I really wasn't even seeing this leper like he really was this leper. This, this horribly disfigured, maimed, probably cuts all over him and bruises and swelling. This guy, nobody would have wanted to hang out with this guy. Nobody. So this leper came to Jesus and he was very bold. And he broke all the laws of society coming to Jesus within all this multitude. And we don't have recorded in scripture that he came and held his hand over his faith and he even said unclean, unclean, unclean. He just ran right up to Jesus with boldness. And he came. While, notice this, he had no hope. This guy was in a hopeless situation. No cure. While being ugly and horribly maimed and disgusting looking. While, because of all these things, being an outcast of society. Nobody wanted to spend time with him. Nobody by the law of Moses could spend time with him. Now this fella went right up to Jesus and fell at his feet. This guy had every chip stacked against him that there could be. And he was still bold enough to come up among all these people and come to Jesus and ask him for a healing. Think about for a moment what it would be like to be him. He was ugly. He was shunned by his society. He was despised. People would look at this guy and go, Oh, oh, that guy's gross. Imagine you with your family seeing this leper walking the other way. Walking the other way. Oh, we're not going to go that way. And then turning around and not going by him. He had it hard not only mentally, he had it hard physically. Lepers couldn't get work, folks. Nobody would hire a leper. They weren't supposed to be in the city. They weren't supposed to be among people. They were outcasts. He couldn't even get work. In the story of the Old Testament, it said that these lepers, 
And it was a story about a miracle that God did. They were just kind of out in the wilderness because that's where they had to be. And basically what they do is how they ate. At, and the, these lepers were eating. How they, would go up to the, they would go up to the garbage as the people would throw it out of the city. And they'd dig through the garbage every day. And it wasn't by their choice, like a homeless person of today that wants to be on the streets. These lepers had no choice. They were forced to be outside the city, lonely, despairing, horrible life, looking at yourself. You can't even take care of yourself. I, you would, he, lepers probably disgusted them, their own selves. So what did this leper do? He comes right up to Jesus boldly. So look at how loving Jesus is. He could have shunned him. He could have cast him off. As I said earlier, he was probably really busy. He probably had a lot more to do than take time for this one lonely, outcasted leprosy. But did he? Absolutely not. Jesus takes him in and he welcomes him and he doesn't discriminate against him at all. And it reminds me of today. There is no, there, there has to be, there can be, there doesn't have to be any outcasts in our world today because Jesus loves everybody. And everybody and all people can come to Jesus now no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what kind of job you have, how poor, how rich you are. Everybody and anybody can come to Christ and he welcomes all because if certainly if in his life we saw him welcome this nothing nobody outcasted discriminated ugly looking horrible creature of a leper certainly certainly today he wouldn't say no to anybody no matter what anybody looks like and not only did this leper come and now we get to learn a lot more about this leper is what God showed me. We're going to learn a lot about this leper here. And we're going to, I want us to translate it. We need to put what this leper did into our own lives. Not only did this leper come, but look here in verse 2 at how powerfully he approached Jesus. Let's read the first half of verse 2. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying... Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Look at what he did. He didn't just come up to Jesus, but he came up to Jesus and he bowed down and he worshipped him. And he had the gall to ask for a healing. How dare he even bother the master? But he did. He was bold and he came and he worshipped him and he asked him, for a healing. Now, notice he worshipped Jesus. This is huge. Did, did we read that Jesus said, no, get up, don't worship me? No, verse 3. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Now, wait a minute. In the Jewish faith, they are monotheistic. And I've mentioned this before, but God laid it on my heart and said, mention it again. That means the Jews can only worship one God. Any other worship to anyone or anything is considered blasphemy. Not only to the worshiper, but also, excuse me, to the one being worshipped. They could actually biblically be stoned. 
and be killed. According to the law of Moses, blasphemy was punishable by death. So Jesus and the leper could have been stoned and could have been killed. Now Islam teaches today that God is God and he has begotten no sons. Yet here we see Jesus not stopping the leper from worshiping him and calling him Lord. The definition Greek again for the word Lord. Again, we read it just like we read it in Matthew chapter 7. It's kiros, to him, to him, he to whom a person or thing belongs about which he has power of deciding, master. This is what the leper called Jesus, master. My owner, the one who has control over me. My sovereign God, prince, chief. It's a title of honor, expressive or respective and, uh, and reverence with which servants greet their master. It's a title given to God, the Messiah. So this leper worshipped Jesus and called him my God. Called him my owner, my ruler, the one who owns me. That's bold. Nobody stopped him. And neither did Jesus, which gives Jesus the title of God and the Son of God. Unlike wicked faiths of today, wicked so-called religions of today claim that Jesus is just a prophet. Blasphemy, that's blasphemy. It's not blasphemy to worship Jesus Christ. The leper did and Jesus didn't stop him. Praise God, hallelujah. Woo! This is awesome. Not blasphemy. Jesus is God. It's not blasphemy to worship Jesus. Amen. Now, he came, and what did he do? He asks for a healing. As we today, nothing has changed, can come to God and ask for a healing. It's important to note how he came and asked for his healing. Look at the first part of his request. He says to Jesus in verse 2, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. We can learn a lot by how he asked. He knew that just because he made this bold move and this impossible request for healing, he knew by the word if that that did not absolutely guarantee him the healing that he wanted so bad. But did it stop him coming and asking anyway? Absolutely not. He came and he asked anyway. Am I saying that he didn't have faith? This late leper had faith the size of a mountain. Probably more faith than any one of us in this room all put together, this leper had that kind of faith. There was no reason he should have even thought, I have the right to go ask Jesus for this healing. And yet he did anyway. How can we tell? His coming the way he did first, but also look at the second part. This is how we know he had faith. This second part gives me chills. 
He does say, if you're willing. Yeah, that's true. But then he says, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. Did you hear what he said? You can make me clean. He was... His question to Jesus, his request to Jesus wasn't, you absolutely have to give it to me right now. He said, if you're willing. But where did he have faith? Which is what God wants us to have. He had faith in that he knew that Jesus could do it. Wow. This leper was an outcast to society. Not welcome among the people. And yet, he still had faith to know that Jesus Christ could give him what he wanted. Not maybe. Well, now, you know, maybe, I know it might be hard for you, but, well, no. You can make me clean. That's powerful. That's powerful. He wasn't wondering if he could, because he knew he could. Will you? Will you? That's faith. No miracle is impossible for Christ or God. Absolutely not one. In Genesis 18, we're not going to go there. I'm just going to broadcast it over for you. Abraham and God are kind of having a little powwow. And God tells Abraham that Sarah is going to have a baby. Now, Abraham and Sarah were in their 80s and their 90s at this time. And God says that Sarah is going to have a baby. And Sarah kind of laughed and then he, everything. And, and uh, God tells Abraham concerning Sarah's having a baby at an age past, well past childbearing. Sarah kind of laughed because she kind of heard it in the tent. She's like, am I going to have a baby? I'm in my 80s and 90s. And the Lord says to Abraham, he says, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Mark 10, 27, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about people getting to heaven, specifically rich people, you know, because it's harder for a rich person that idolizes his money to get to heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So Peter and the disciples hearing this going, oh my gosh, then who who can be saved? Because if certainly if, if that person can't get in, who can be saved? And Jesus says in Mark 10, 27, he says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Did you hear Jesus? With God, all things are possible. I just read over Numbers this morning, just in Numbers, my own personal reading this morning. And in Numbers 11, we read about how the people complained against God because they were in the wilderness for a while, not too long, and they didn't have any meat. And all they had was this manna that they were complaining about. The supernatural food that God provided them every day. And so they were complaining that they didn't have any meat. And they were complaining against Moses and against God. Oh, we wish we would have just stayed in Egypt. We had everything we needed there. And God hears them complaining and he comes to Moses and he says, Hey Moses, go out and tell the people. And Moses had just got done, or just got, he was just about to tell God after he tells Moses, he says, go out and tell the people that tomorrow... You'll have enough meat to eat for a month. Now Moses goes to God and he says, Lord, in a sense, that's impossible. And then he says why? He says, Lord, there's 600,000 men on foot 
And that's besides women and children. So we're feasibly talking about 1.5 million people at least when you do the math between husbands and wives and children. That's 1.5 million people. Now do the math. And God said you'll have enough meat to eat for all the people. One and a half million people, he tells Moses. Not for a week. Not for 10 days. Not for 20. But for a month. Do the math, folks. That's a lot of meat. Moses' response is, Lord, are you going to gather all the fish in the sea? Lord, what are you going to do? How are you going to make that much meat to feed all these people? And God's response to Moses is exactly what we just read. God closes out to him and says, Moses, you doubt me? And he says, is the hand of the Lord short? Is the hand of the Lord short? What God was telling Moses is, if I wanted to bring enough meat to feed these people for 20 years, I'll do it. 10 million people? 100 years? Is the hand of the Lord short? Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. God can do all things. And we need to take a lesson from this leper. Because God can do anything. Except for sin or break his word. Miracle? Bam! Like nothing. And we have to know that. And we have to be firm in that. And we have to know that and trust in that. God can do anything. God's hand is not short. This leper knew it. And we have to know it here now. God can do anything. Now this leper has the knowledge and proclaims it in verse 2. Not only does he proclaim, proclaim this truth, but he has the boldness and faith to come to Christ and ask for it. This encounter with this leper is incredible. It's incredible. And praise God that we have it and that we get to learn from it. He's in no position to come and ask for anything, and yet he comes... And what does he do? He just asks Jesus for the impossible. Not enough that he came and he shouldn't have come there. Didn't follow God's law. Broke God's law to come and ask Jesus. And he just had a little thing to do like, you know, ask for something impossible. But what he did do, he came to Jesus with a thousand percent of himself. And I know there's not even that much percentage. He came with more than he had in him. And he asked for this miracle. Praise God. So what was the master's first response to this leper's request? Verse 3. And I really almost missed this one. But by everything that God has shown me about himself lately, this just it's just amazingly confirms Exactly what God's been showing me about Himself over this last year, a few, you know, well, specifically this last year. Read the first half of verse 3 and let's see if you can catch it. Then Jesus put out His hand 
and he touched him. Did you catch that? Jesus put out his hand and he touched him. See, but what the leper needed more than a healing, he needed somebody to touch it. Nobody had touched this guy in years. This guy was an outcast. Trash of society. Alone. Remember the law of Moses? It says be outside the city. Outside the camp. Or he'd defile the village. That means he'd be alone. Alone means no one, but no one would go by him. No one would even touch him. No one would go around him. What does Jesus give him the first of all? The gift of a touch. Now, me or you would say, I, okay, Ed, I, I understand a touch, yeah, but you don't know what it's like to go without a touch. For years, no one touched this man. For years. Nobody even maybe talked to him. Could you go years without being touched? Without hugging somebody? Without giving somebody a kiss? Without shaking somebody's hand? Without saying hello to somebody? I think it's so simple. But this guy didn't have it. What did he really need? He really needed somebody first. And what did Jesus give him? A simple first gift of a touch. Nobody would have touched him. They didn't know how the disease spread. But Jesus, breaking the law of God, by the way, because in the law of God said, don't even touch a person. If you touch a person like this, you're unclean until evening. Wash yourself and then come back into the camp during the morning. So Jesus, breaking the law of God, gives this guy the touch, which is what he needed first and foremost. So in essence, Jesus knew the inner desire of this man even more than having his leprosy healed. This guy just wanted the touch of another person. So what I learned through this, what I've been learning for the last year is God even gives you more, even gives you what you need, even though you may not even realize that you need it. Because God knows your heart. Whatever you need, He is that. He is sufficient for everything. Isn't the love of Christ amazing here? Amen? And what does Jesus say when he was touching this leper? Look at the back half of verse 3. He says, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Was the result of what he said. Jesus didn't take a year. He didn't need 10 years to heal this leper. Because the touch of God the touch of Christ, His miracles are immediately. That's how powerful God is. He's a miracle worker now. 
Not in a month. Not in three weeks. Not in a month. Not in two years. He does it now. Look at the power. No cure. He cures this guy. Not only of his loneliness, but he cures him of his illness. And I'm almost willing to tell you right now, step out there in faith, even though it's not in scripture, and say that not only did God heal, not only did Christ heal this leper of his leprous sores, I'll guarantee you that this man became as fresh and as clean looking as any one of us sitting in this room right here. All the swelling, all the bumps, all the deadness of the hands, all the curled hands up, all clean just like that. That's the power of God. He doesn't make something new and then leave it all nasty looking. This guy was healed completely. With his touch and his spoken word, immediately Jesus gives this man healing in his body and that he had suffered with for years. Now, isn't the love and the power of Jesus Christ amazing? Amen. Amen. Awesome. He made everything we can see and we can't see in just six days. He is capable of doing any miracle. And as we saw here, he even knows our deepest need. He's so good. After the healing, let's read verse 4. Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. But go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Why did Jesus say this? Why did Jesus say, get up, my son, you're clean. Go on back into the city and go get back your wife or go take a wife and get married and praise God. Why didn't he say that? Because Christ was still under the old covenant. The old covenant was still in existence until Jesus died and rose again. The new covenant to be made. The old covenant said when there was a cleansing, when God did a miracle like cleanse leprosy back in the Old Testament, what God said as a commandment was to go offer a gift, a sacrifice to God for that, for your cleansing. Simple as that. Jesus was just fulfilling the law. So God, in a sense, broke a law, but it wasn't a breaking of his law because if you look earlier what Jesus did, he broke God's law, in a sense, by the letter because of love. And what did we read about what's the, what's the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets? To love thy God with all our heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus only broke the command of God for this leper to touch him and to receive him in because of love. Because love is the fulfillment of all the law and all the prophets. So, where are we right now? All of us. Anybody listening? Where are you right now? Are you needing a touch? Whether you're needing a touch from Jesus for healing in your body or your soul, he can give it to you. Maybe you're just needing a touch from Jesus so that you can know he's there and not a fairy tale. He can supply whatever you need. He's the great I am. Learn from the leper. Come to Christ with a thousand percent of yourself, 
even if every chip is stacked against you and your situation seems impossible and cry out to him and just surrender whatever it is that you are in desperate need of and ask him to fix it. Ask him to fix it. And believe for sure and absolutely and have no doubt in your mind and in your heart for one thing and one thing only, that he can do it. Because the leper maybe didn't know if that was his will for him, but he knew one thing, that he knew he could do it. Because nothing is impossible for God. But he said with man, things are impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Learn from the leper. Even though the leper knew the healing wasn't a guarantee for him, he still came boldly to Jesus and asked with all that was within himself. And I'll guarantee you one thing. The Lord Jesus Christ will help you. He will help you. Absolutely. The Bible says that people can come to God through Jesus Christ and be guaranteed for several things. We can be guaranteed to get strength through whatever we're going through. Strength. He guarantees us to give us peace and joy through every good and bad situation. And all your life, we can get peace and joy through every one of them. Jesus says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. So be of good joy. Hey, I've already overcome the world. So God will help you. Not only may he heal you if you're struggling and if you're suffering and if you have a disability and if you're struggling, if you're sick, if you have an illness, you may come and you may say, I know you can, but will you please? And he may say, bam, and he may touch you and you may be healed completely right now because he has the power to do it. And if he doesn't, just give me the strength to get through it, Lord. And he absolutely will give you the strength to get through whatever you're suffering with. But he also guarantees those that ask him can have salvation, can have revelation, can have wisdom, can have guidance, help in time of need. What are you in need of? Christians, come to Christ and don't doubt in your heart at all. Because God can do anything. And the Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. And that's not just once. Ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking Jesus to help you with whatever you're struggling with. Keep asking Jesus if you're struggling with something to fix you. Keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Because God is patient. And he's long-suffering toward us. And if we keep asking, and we keep seeking, and we keep knocking, that'll produce patience and character. And help us get through whatever we're struggling with, or whatever we're dealing with, whatever hardships in our lives, whatever problems we got going on, He'll help us through them. Absolutely. 
If not, completely take them out altogether. But just be like this leper. Learn from this leper. If it be your will, Lord. But Lord, I know you can. But Lord, I know you can. And come humbly and reverence him. Give them the title that he deserves. Lord, my God, my King, come to him with all that's within you. A thousand percent, just like this leper did. Those that aren't gods that are hearing this message, those that don't know Jesus, that aren't his, that aren't born again, that know you're not walking with the Lord, please ask him, seek him, and knock on the door of his house for revelation of Jesus Christ and for salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ, please. Because God can do anything like save man. And in fact, that's what Peter was saying about salvation for mankind. But God, but Jesus, that's impossible. What, 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 can, what can we do? Because it's impossible, Jesus. That's fine. With man, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. With Christ, all things are possible. You haven't gone too far from where he can reach you. Wherever you are. If you're not walking with him now, all he's a whisper away. Jesus, help me come to find you. Jesus, help me. Please show me who you are. I want to believe in you. Would you please show me who you are? Please give me revelation because I want to know who you are. Please reveal yourself to me. And God's waiting. He's waiting to hear that cry. And he'll run to you. He'll run to you and make himself known to you. Come to him as the leper did. For with you to do things and me to do things, it's impossible. But with God and with Jesus, nothing is impossible. Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you for your message, Lord. Thank you for the heart of this leper. Thank you for all that we learned from him. Thank you for what you've made it possible to us. Thank you for what you've given us, Lord God. You give us hope. You give us hope in such a hopeless world. Lord, as I'm praying right now, I think of sin. How hopeless sin is. And in our earthliness and in our humanness, Lord, there's nothing we can do to cure our sinfulness. We can't do enough good deeds. We can't do enough good works. We can't live good enough of a life to please you, the Bible says. But Lord, just like for this leper, you made a way for him to be healed. Lord, you make a way for all humanity to be healed of their sinful nature. And his name is Jesus Christ. And Lord, you poured his blood out on the cross at Calvary to save mankind from their sins, to provide atonement, to provide a fix for the incurable problem of humanity's sinfulness. Thank you, Lord God. Jehovah Jireh, you are our provider. You provide us whatever we need. And I pray, Lord God, whoever's listening right now that's not yours, We'll call upon the name of the Lord because your word says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
God in heaven, I pray you draw those listening right now that aren't yours. Draw them to call upon your name so that they may be saved. So that they could take advantage of the gift of salvation that you've offered to all mankind as a fix to the terrible condition of humanity of sinfulness that leads to death, hell and fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. Save them, Lord God. Whoever's listening that's not yours, please save them. And God, for those of us in this room that are yours, Lord, I pray that you would build us up in you. And that, Lord, by this, just by this leper's example, I pray, God, that we would have boldness to enter the Holy of Holies and cry out to you and ask for whatever it is we think we need, Lord God, and just surrender whatever it is we think we need unto you and let you deal with whatever we really need. I pray we'd have faith in you and trust in you that you can do whatever we're asking you, no matter what or how impossible we may think that it is, that we may come to you like this leper and be bold like he was and pour ourselves out before you and ask for help in the time of difficulties. Ask for healing when we're sick. Ask for strength when we're weak. And Lord, I pray that you would give us whatever we need as you are so good at doing. I love you, God. I praise you. I pray you reveal yourself to all mankind. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.